Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of The Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson, and we are so glad you have tuned in to us. We're so glad. Listen, if you like what you hear and you know someone who's had a setback or struggling through a bad experience, please let them know that there's someone who cares about what they're going through. And Reflection and Growth is right around the corner with The Road to Rediscovery. We have a very special guest with us today. He's had tremendous challenges and obstacles with stress that had him on the brink of ending it all, literally ending it all. But instead, he's learned to overcome, survive, and thrive, taking what he's learned to help others deal with their stress. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome Christian Mojaiso. Christian, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? Uh, thank you very much, Aubrey. I'm super excited to be on the road to rediscovery. I listened to the show before. I, I loved it. And now I'm super excited to be a guest and be able to share my story and the lessons I've learned so far in my life. Well, thank you, Christian. We are equally excited and it's our pleasure to have you on the show, man. We are uh, really, really looking forward to uh, some some good, helpful information, learning about you and connecting with the listeners here. So let's just jump right into it. You know, um, can you give us a little background about yourself? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, my name is Christian Mojaiso. Um, so I'm originally from, uh, from the African continent. Uh, I was born in, uh, I was born in Congo and I, I grew up, I grew up in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit about uh, my childhood. I mean, I was in a stable, stable home. So this is one of of, uh, of Africa. Typically, you have both parents, and it's very rare to hear of a divorce. Actually, right now, if I think about it, I don't have all of my childhood friends. I don't know. I don't remember any who was divorced. Mm. It was always normal to be in. Yeah, it was always normal to be in a community with both. It was always normal to see like both parents have uh, have children. Right. <laughs> I, I thought it. I, I thought it was normal that way until I watched Everybody Hates Chris. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody hates Chris. I think uh, Chris Rock was the only kid in the neighborhood who had a father. So that's right. <laughs> I realized what a blessing I had. <laughs> no, that's a true blessing, and and a, and a good show too, by the way. Funny yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I had a good, 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 uh, very, uh, very good childhood. It had its difficulties, but very stable uh, family structure. Um, and then at some point I left uh, Africa and to study in the United States. I went to a university called Harvey Mudd College. Right. Um, and I went there to, right, I went there to study mathematics. So this is a university in Claremont, California. Uh, and this is like a, tech school. So right. look at, think of MIT, MIT type school. Gotcha. So this is for STEM, STEM students. And they're like, this is the place where like you go around the planet and pick the sharpest students in math and science and you bring them to one place. Mm. Right? So that's Harvey Mudd. So I... very intelligent, uh, very, the students there had like very, very sharp intellects, very smart kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone was one of the best from where they came from. I found myself at Harvey Mudd, and I wasn't one of the best. I was average or below average, in fact. That's that's how I felt. Uh, compared to other students, I felt very stupid. And this is where the the trouble started from. Because right? I'd look at all these guys, they're smart, they're getting everything. I'm struggling. I'm not really that smart. I think these guys made a mistake in admitting me here. I surely don't belong in such a prestigious institution. Sooner or later, they're going to find out what a mistake they made. <laughs> and, um, so I had right, so this was some of the the thought process uh, running through my mind. So Christian, and, yeah, yes. Um, uh, so you were admitted to this school. Um, this yeah. school is uh, a quite prestigious school, um, a technical uh, institution, one of the top in the country for math and science. And I would imagine that, you know, being accepted, while it's exciting, 
there is a tremendous amount of pressure that um, not only we bring upon ourselves as being a student at that at that institution, but uh, a lot of pressure from just seeing how you measure up to the other students there. Uh, so, so was that was that was that part of the the feelings of self doubt, uh, or the source of some of the self doubt you were feeling? Yes, yes. This this was one of this was one of the this was one of the big ones. Gotcha. Is that I'm I'm not smart. The other ones are smarter than me. So I mean, funny enough, my my friends my friends when I was at Harvey Mudd thought that they considered me to be really smart, mm-hmm. but I thought I was stupid. And I didn't want them to know to really discover my true intelligence. So, <laughs> it, was, it was funny that way, you know? So, yeah. Because so like, I'd see some super sharp guys, and they'd think I'm super sharp, and they wanted to spend time with me and learn from me. And I was thinking, man, if once they find out that I'm really not as smart as they think they are, you know, this relationship is over. Mm. Right? They're not going to want to... They're not going to want to spend time with me. They're going to tell everybody just how stupid I am and then confirm that really it's true about black people not being smart. You know, so all that was running in my mind. Right. Um, so because, again, like I was the min- uh, it was the first time in my life that I found myself in the minority. Right. So in Africa, it's pretty much everybody's black. Right. right? Unless you go to North Africa where you have people who don't have black skin, uh, people of Arab descent, and uh, a bit in South Africa, you have Southern Africa, you have people with white skin, but the majority of the population is black skin. But for the first time when I was in the U.S., I found myself in the minority, Mm. and I somehow put it upon myself to represent the black community so that when I succeeded, black people everywhere had succeeded, I used to think. Right. And whenever I failed, black people everywhere had failed. And I always felt this pressure to prove that I'm intelligent. Somehow prove that black people are intelligent, which is a very, very stupid sort of responsibility to place upon myself. Uh, and no one put those expectations upon me. Uh, I just, my friends never, I just put them upon myself. You know, that's two very, very powerful elements that we as people have, you know, uh, and, and this is just my my um, my thoughts off the top of my head. The, the, the two powerful, very powerful elements that we have is, number one, the the impact and the power of the pressure that we put on ourselves um, when it comes to a responsibility. Um, it's truly self-inflicted, right? And that can have an impact on um, on how you perform. It can have an impact on the the, the type of mindset uh, you have and how you interact with people. Um, just just putting that amount of pressure on you, right? The second powerful element seems to be you know our perception of things. Perception is reality in a lot of cases. So if we have the perception or the mindset that we're stupid and we're not smart, then, you know, while it may not be true, that amount of, 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 of belief and, and degradation that we have for ourselves thinking that it, 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 the feelings that we have and the emotion that we feel from it, it almost makes it true. Would, would, would that, would that be close to the feeling you were having? Yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, this was my perception. Um, yeah, the perception that I wasn't as smart as the other people. I'm really inferior to them. Um, and yes, this, this for me was the reality. Mm. The reality was they were better than me, and they were somehow not seeing that reality. And it was my job to defend, uh, to, uh, to make sure they don't see. They don't find out who I truly am, just how much I suck. If 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 they don't find out, then I'm fine, right? Uh, so then at least I can maintain the image. Right, right. So I always felt like I was put right because I, I would compensate for something like that. So I mean, I remember in particular there was one class we used to have. So 
it's called linear algebra class. So uh, <laughs> linear algebra it was a uh, Prof Gu, <laughs> nice <laughs> professor. Right. Anyways, uh, yeah, it was Prof Gu's class, and I remember that was one of the classes where I'd been, I'd studied a bit of linear algebra in high school. So I had a bit of an edge over my peers in the class because I knew more of the material. Right. So I'd think of, I thought of this class as my opportunity to shine, right, to keep up the image of the smart guy. Mm. So in that particular class, I'd make sure to answer all the questions, right, so everybody can see just how smart I am. And I thought this was somehow liberating, but it became a prison because... The, every with every question I answered, my pride swelled, my fear also swelled, because now it's like, oh no, I've put up this image of the smart guy answering all these questions in linear algebra. The prof is really liking my answers, but what if she asks a question that I don't know the answer to, or what if I answer incorrectly? Then everybody will know the truth. Mm. So this was really a prison. Mm. I was building my self-esteem. Uh, my image around what I thought the professor thinks of me and what the other members of the class thought of me. And it was every question I answer makes me more important. I Which see. meant that every question I don't answer <laughs> makes me <laughs> less important. So this was a trap. I was really suffering tremendously in that class. Wow. And so a, a big part of that stress was just asking yourself, how do I hold up this facade? How do I hold it up and keep it held? Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it was it was truly a facade. It's it's hard work to keep up an image. Very hard work. Because mm. um, you can't. It's 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 acting, right? Like it doesn't matter how good of an actor you are. You get tired of acting at some point, you know. That's at right. some point, you just want to be real. Take off the mask. But I put this mask upon myself of the smart guy, and it was becoming too heavy for me. <laughs> you know, the, the mask became my prison. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I completely understand. Completely understand. So, so now you're at university. You're at the college, and um, you, you, you have this discovery of, um, or at least your perception of not feeling as smart as the others, and you have a facade you feel that you need to uphold. And that's a lot of added pressure. And so this goes on for some time while you are attending the college. Um, but was there anything defining that just made it go into a downward spiral to the point where just just the clouds through your world just started to, to crowd in and darken? Right. So what, what, what happened was, I mean, all these factors, it was a lot of things playing on, right? There's no one particular thing. But right. there were all sorts of things that accelerated the process for me. So one of them was starting to fail tests. Mm. That was one thing. Okay. So at, Har at Harvey Mudd, if you fail a test uh, or your academic progress is not good, they send you an email. It's called an academic advisory email, right. saying that you performed poorly on a particular test. They copy your advisor, your academic advisor, onto this email, and then you're supposed to go maybe meet the professor, meet the advisor, and figure out what's going on. Gotcha. Right. For me, this was confirmation, right? Yeah. <laughs> confirmation <laughs> that I must be stupid, right? Oh, <laughs> like yeah. The email yeah. is saying so. Uh -huh. they've, they've figured it out, finally. <laughs> now the professor is, knows about it. Right. And yeah. hey, uh, the advisor also knows about it. You know, the advisor had high hopes of me, thought I was really something special. And now they know the <laughs> oh, wow. and now, now, now they know the truth. Right? So I got a couple of those academic advisories. And funny thing, what happened is once I thought the professor, once I got those academic advisories, instead of improving my performance or making me more serious, they made me worse. Now I didn't even want to go to class because I didn't want to look at the professor's eyes mm. like they were condemning, you know, for being mediocre. I see. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just started cutting class, right, which, okay. again, is not a good recipe for improving grades, uh, which just made things worse and worse like this. Right. Um, 
and eventually just I, I didn't I started not leaving my room at all. I just stay in the I just stay in the dorm room. Uh, not want to leave. Just sleep up to like 2 p.m. Cut all the classes uh, and just uh, don't want to interact with anybody. Rush to the dining hall, grab a meal, rush back to my room. Hope I don't meet anyone I know along the way because they could see my mediocrity also, I thought. Uh, and all this stuff just piled up on me. And look, I was living in a hell. Mm. I was failing on every dimension a human being, of, of being human, you know. I was failing socially. Right. Uh, I was failing emotionally. I was failing uh, psychologically. I was failing academically. Mm. I was failing spiritually. I was failing physically. Right. I was putting on a lot of weight. Uh, just, just everything and crushed self-esteem. So life was hell for me. Mm. And I began to look for hey. And obviously, I wasn't sleeping well. Also, right. So lack of sleep. I, I got myself on what I what I used to call uh, I googled something about Da Vinci's sleep patterns. Apparently, Da Vinci used to sleep. So so the website said he'd work for four hours, sleep for twenty minutes, then work for another four hours and sleep for twenty minutes. <laughs> so since I'm an experimenting type of guy, I decided to go on the the Da Vinci sleep cycle. Oh man, bad idea. Right. <laughs> <Bad idea. laughs> it didn't help, did it? <laughs> I realized I'm not Da Vinci. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, at least you found out, right? No you experiment a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those those experiments helped me to understand the value of sleep. So anyway, that's a topic for another day. But right. this stuff just piled up and. Uh, I began to wonder, hey, uh, these are some of the things I'd never really taken seriously, but w- w- what's the point of living? Like, I reached that, that, that level. Mm. And I went to Google, and uh, I began to look for the most efficient ways to end things. Um, and after just thinking about it, uh, the method I settled upon was jumping from the top of a building. So at Harvey Mudd, uh, we we have this building called the Shanahan Building, one of the new buildings. Right. So I'd climb to the very top of the Shanahan Building. Uh, I, I remember the things were on three floors or something, but the basement was dug in. You could so like the think of the basement was an extra very deep floor. So it's kind of like jumping maybe four stories up. But when you climb to the very top and look down, it's just, I mean. It's, it's like if you don't die, you're gonna be like everything's gonna break. Sort yeah. Of thing. <laughs> but I, I I climb to the top, and I'm, I'm I I now start fantasizing about jumping from the top, right? And um, I re- really I'm like, look, if I jump from here, right, I die and my problems are over, my miserable life is ended. I don't have to deal with any of this pressure anymore. But there's also the fear. I mean, because I'm a mathematician, you know, like right. I studied mathematics. So like, <laughs> I like to look at possibilities, you know. I want to be, I want proof that it's absolutely true. Like maybe there is a slight chance that I jump and don't die. Right. So just become like quadriplegic, right? Multiply my problems times one billion. Yeah, because how is this that to live? The... Yeah, I mean, how can you live that way, you know? I mean, you wanted a guarantee that if I were to jump, this would happen. But like you said, probability and statistics being, you know, a math math major, there's that slight percentage that you could survive, but, you know, every bone in your body would be broken. (laughs) Yes, I couldn't make things worse. That was one of the fear held me back from jumping. Hmm. One of the things that held me back from jumping, right? This in particular uh, is this was a major event for me. One of many events that got me to really take my own suffering seriously. Mm. I developed a deep interest in understanding my own suffering, my own stress, and in 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 turn, I developed the interest in helping other people to deal with their stress and overcome their suffering. This was one of the major catalysts for me, but my life had a couple of those. I see. Man, I tell you, you know, when it comes to 
however you want to call it, depression or anxiety uh, or, you know, post-traumatic, um, you know, someone, it doesn't matter who you are. You can come from a loving family, uh, stable uh, upbringing, a good childhood, maybe have a good job, good health. But the heaviness of of whatever it is that afflicts us, whether it's depression, anxiety, um, you know, stress, I mean, that can really drive you to the point where that overshadows all the positive aspects of your life. Is that how you felt at some point? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the way one, well, this is one of the major realizations that my misery, my suffering is self-created. Mm. It doesn't really come from the outside. Right. And this is something you learn about. Uh, this is something you learn deeply when you go to a country like the United States. Because, look, if you look at on the level of material comfort, right, this is one of the most comfortable places right, I've ever been to. Right? So the convenience is unbelievable, even for a middle-class family in the U.S. Because, mm-hmm. let's say, a middle-class family would probably have, what, a washing machine. Right in Africa, it's rare to find a home which has a washing machine. I see. Right, my first time to see a washing machine was when I was eighteen. Right. Oh wow. Um, right, when I went to school in South Africa, that was the first time I saw a washing machine. Other than that, you washed by hand. Constant stable electricity. Maybe you have constant access, perhaps, to internet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, right, and then um, just. Uh, a house to live, probably even have a car. Many middle-class people in the U.S. have cars, uh, whereas, let's say in Africa, uh, when I was a kid, if you had a car, you were rich, right? So right. the middle-class American would be rich, right, in many parts of Africa. I'm, I'm guessing other parts of the world also. So you'd expect then that, look, since the external conditions are so good, I mean, the, the, the American is living in comfort, the American should be joyful because everything, you know, the things that it just the environment is comfortable. But of course, we know that's not true, right? So there's a lot of people suffering in America, right? Right, right. This is because suffering does not come from your external environment. It's internally generated. You come up with it. It's the consequence of not being able to handle your own thoughts and emotions. It's a sort of incompetence when it comes to handling thoughts and emotions. It doesn't matter if you have great parents who never divorced, a good support structure, professors who believe in you, friends, family. If you don't know how to handle your thoughts and emotions, sooner or later you're going to create hell for yourself. It'll just be, there's many, it's like the devil can get you in many ways, right? Right, right. One way or another, you're going to create hell for yourself if you're not competent at handling your own thoughts and emotions. So yeah. this was one of the big realizations I had, was you know, that nothing external was causing my misery. The misery was caused by me and me alone. You know, I tell you, that is powerful, Christian. I love that. I love that. And, and, and the reason why I love that is because, you know, it's very easy, and maybe it's more prevalent here in the United States, but it's very easy for someone who has fallen upon hard times or has gone through some major depression or anxiety. And, uh, and, and at least I've seen it happen here a lot where these people, they want to play the victim. I don't want to say they want to play the victim, but they result in making themselves the victim as if something happened to them in a uh, conspiracy. There were elements of the universe that conspired against them, making them the victim for where they are at that point. And, and I believe, I believe in the power of self-observation myself, you know, and in the, in, in the power of self-observation, being truthful to yourself, as you have mentioned just now, where you knew that the problem was built up and exist inside of you. It was a form of incompetence that you had to address 
You know, um, that's where we need to look is inward before we can focus outward. So, you know, I, I, I commend you, Christian, for having that, that level of insight, because to me, that's the foundation that, that turns everything around once you make that, uh, reach that point of realization. Yeah. Thanks for your, for your kind words. Yeah, that is the beginning. This I, this I think is I, I think of it as the first deception. Yes. That, right. The first deception is that there is an external world that is causing me misery. Mm-hmm. If you look at things a little closely, you'll realize that actually everything you've ever experienced is internal. Right. So, you look you look at a tree and you think you're looking at a tree outside, but what you're seeing is the data that your eyes have collected. So what you're seeing is on the inside. Mm. You listen to somebody speak and you think you're listening to the person. Right. What you're listening to is the sensations in your ear. Uh, You focus on your breath and you think, Hey, I'm actually focusing on the breath. No, you're focusing on the th- sensations you feel within your nose. Everything you experience is on the inside. It's all internal. And this, this, yes. So this is fundamental realization. In particular, there's no need to believe me on this. Just, <laughs> just observe, pay, pay attention, and find out if it's really the traffic that's making you angry. You, you will realize if you pay some attention that, uh, nope, this is all self-help. The anger is generated by you. The sadness is generated by you. The frustration is generated by you. And one of the ways you can tell this is look for someone who's in the same exact situation as you, right? Like, I mean, I've had this experience before. There's once I was uh, making a joke in the house. No, actually, I made a statement. Right? There was like a bunch of girls, and then there was, uh, the, 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 there was a guy in the house, a relative. Right. So I made the joke. I made the statement, actually. The, the girls all burst out into laughter, and the guy was pissed off. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? So, yeah. right. right. So it's like, was it what I said? Not really. Did I say something funny? Not really. If it was funny, everybody should be laughing. Right. Did I say something annoying or insulting? Well, if it was insulting, everybody should be insulted. Right. It's just that I said something and everybody, through their own internal processes, created their own experience. Some people created joy and laughter. Someone else created anger and, you know, just annoyance as a result. Right. It was all inner generated. So this is the beginning. There is not, your misery is caused by you your stress is caused by you this is the first thing to realize but it's not something to believe it's not necessary to believe it just if you pay a bit of attention you will realize that it's true i see totally understand and i totally agree i dig it 100 percent, christian i really do man and 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 like in your example with the with the comment with the joke everyone drew their conclusion and it came from the inside. Uh, so, you know, some of them had the same conclusion while others had a different conclusion. So, and, and, and it all came from, from the inside. Um, and, 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 and that's a powerful observation. It, it truly is. And, uh, a lot of people look outward for these conclusions when it, it starts from the inside. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that, man. So, um, with that said, with that said, uh, and you have reached this point where you've started the foundation, you've established the foundation from self-observation, understanding that this is something you built, that it was inside, it was internal, and you have to rise above this now. Okay. So can you explain for the listeners how... How did you start to discover that 
you have to face the source of your stress directly to to turn things around okay so what happened in my case was that i mean i never really had a tool by which i could deal with strong emotions that arise within me mm-hmm. so when i when i was when i was um, much much younger um i mean like i said i had very good parents good dad although sometimes obviously he'd be critical of me mm-hmm. and uh, he'd say something i don't like he could be very harsh if you did something he didn't like sometimes he'll talk to you very harshly and sometimes it's Africa, right? In Africa, so we have spankings, right? You get a beating. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. I grew up the same way here in the you United States. You grew up the same way? Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Good. All right. Yeah, my parents were old right school. Right now, you could get arrested for that stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> when I was younger, this was just considered part of discipline, okay? Absolutely. So I'd get a lot of beatings. And obviously, because uh, I was just pretty naughty kid, so a lot of beatings, even in school. And then... I'd have these strong emotions welling up within me, and I didn't know what to do with them. My, my, my solution usually used to be to suppress them or distract myself. Watch a movie, talk to friends, do anything to not face the pain. Right. right? And, uh, I mean, I had many experiences. One experience I had was uh, there was once I was, uh, there was a maid in the house. So the maid uh, did something I didn't like. Uh, so I think, I think she actually, maybe she prepared food. She didn't prepare it on time or something like this. And this was a pattern, at least as I had observed, was going on for a long time. So I got really angry. Mm. Um, and I talked to her really harshly, right? In fact, so harshly that she broke into tears. Mm. Okay. Okay. I felt the same strong emotions I'd always felt in my life. Uh, this time, however, I decided, you know what? I'm going to sit on the sofa and just look at what's happening within me because I don't like this feeling. So I sat down, I closed my eyes, uh, and just let myself feel everything that's happening in my body. Gotcha. The increased heart rate, uh, the contraction of the body. I learned firsthand that when I'm angry, the body contracts. My chest was contracting. Um, I was observing the thoughts that were running through my head. I just let them run without trying to control them, just let them run. All the thoughts, you know, she shouldn't have said that, or she should prepare food on time. Why doesn't she prepare food on time? How, why the heck isn't she organized? And I'm like, why am I that harsh? I should be, I should be kinder, etc. I just let all these things go on. And this was the first realization. When I looked at the problem, at the beginning it was worse because I could feel the pain, you know, it's like before I was used to avoiding it, now I'm feeling everything. Right. However, one realization, one observation was that when I observed the emotion that was happening within me, what I realized was that it was never everlasting. Gotcha. I sat there for an hour or two hours and the emotion subsided. It doesn't mean I became ecstatic, but sanity returned. I realized that when I was angry, I went insane. Mm. There's a reason why we call it, you make me mad. Because... I was literally mad, right. not thinking correctly. right. But then sanity returned. The emotion was there, but there was like space around the emotion. So I was able to function, make correct decisions, even with the feeling there, but the feeling had subsided. So for the first time in my life, I had a tool, right? and I applied it to so many other situations. And this particular, especially for me, anger has been one of my greatest teachers. It's the emotion I suffered from the most. And I learned all sorts of things by just observing, let's say, my own anger, or my own strong emotion. Right. One thing I realized is that the anger was killing me. So I, st- I started not speaking to others in an angry tone, not because I wanted to make them feel good or because someone said, you have to be kind, you have to be friendly. No. I did it because... The anger was a, was, a, was a state I didn't like. It was just such a terrible state because I'd really seen the effects on my body. Just I'd observed all of that. Right. And so my entire interaction with people changed. 
my relationships transformed. I just became kinder, gentler, more friendly. Um, I became so adept at noticing when anger is about to arise. I, in fact, began to see the anger before it happens and prepare for it. Right? So, and then I realized this tool applies for all sorts of emotions, sadness also. If I'm feeling sad, if I'm feeling afraid, the same thing. Sit down, back straight, eyes closed, observe it. And funny thing was, these emotions never lasted eternally. Eventually they'd subside and sanity would return. And I just, when I looked at the transformation this had on me and on everybody around me, on my capacity to lead others, I just felt, look, I have to share this message with the entire world. Mm. That, right, that the key to solving your problem, any problem that is stressing you out, is not to avoid the problem. On the contrary, or look for a solution or read a book about it. The key is to observe the problem, look at the problem. The problem itself contains a solution to it. Love it. Love it. The problem itself contains the solution. That's a powerful yeah. statement because it is yeah. so true and it's so natural for people to avoid the problem thinking they will find a solution elsewhere. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah, it's uh, like, it's, yeah, no, they talk about like uh, solution orientation, where it's like, hey, um, and let's say, I don't know, like uh, right now I'm, uh, I'm having some physical difficulty, right? I, I, go, I just did surgery. I'm not feeling well. Um, I, I don't know how to continue my life. And so because I'm in this kind of state, let me go and read a book or listen to someone tell me how to deal with this situation, right? Uh, let me read a book about persevering through tough times, etc. And this is kind of what we think is a standard or smart thing to do. But notice that all of this is avoidance, right? right? What I'm saying is different. Just pay attention to what's happening. Pay attention to the pain. Okay, I used to have a right hand. Now I don't have a right hand. This is the reality. Right? Let, me, let me pay attention to what emotions and feelings that evokes in me. Mm. Let me pay attention to what is, what is that... What am I no longer able to do? What am I now able to do? Let me pay attention to all the pain. I know it's, it's painful. You don't want to face the pain. Mm -hmm. But this pain, the pain that you're experiencing, is in fact a great teacher for you. Because the pain itself, looking at the pain, will tell you what you need to do. Right. That's all. Um, you, don't need, uh, you don't need to escape the problem by following, like, let's say, what somebody in your situation did. Because what they did may not work for you. You're not in the same situation. Right. You don't have the same biology. You don't have the same history. Right. It may work for them, but you, you can find out what works for you by looking at your situation. That's right. You face the problem. Awesome. That's right. Look at your own situation. Uh, that's where you will find the solution, in the problem of your own situation, not necessarily in a book and not necessarily from someone else's uh, situation. And I, I find this fascinating, Christian. I really do, because it, it's, I, I, at least here in the United States, uh, a, a big part of this is kind of counterintuitive to uh, the conventional thought of where you look to seek resolution. So uh, at this point, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to... Uh, I'd love to have you share with the listeners um, a, a business that you just recently uh, launched uh, called Observe. Observe that reflects on this and that touches on this. Can you can you share that with our listeners? Yes. Um, yeah. So I started a company called Observe, and the company is designed to help extremely stressed people to deal with their stress. And the key is they, it helps them to deal with their stress by observing it for themselves. This ensures that the solution they come up with is perfectly cu customized to fit their situation. Mm. This is because it came from observing their reality. So I, I, I work as a coach, um, 
call myself I'm an extreme stress coach. It doesn't mean I stress you out extremely. <laughs> Come to me with your pain and I'll multiply it times 10. <laughs> times <you> know? 10. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the idea is just, uh, I, I, one of the services is just work as a coach. And what I do is I, I get you to deal with a problem that's stressing you out, but by observing it for yourself. So I make sure that you're always grounded in your reality. You, we are using your observations and using those observations to craft a solution. I um, see. Yes. I see. So, so, so um, just so our listeners understand here, um, you have them, uh, you would have someone um, look at the direct source of their problems and, 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 and the observe part comes in going through and feeling and just navigating through all of the emotions that the, that problem sends them through. Yeah. In fact, uh, so it's something I call, uh, there's a method I call the observe approach. Okay. This is the cornerstone of observe, gotcha. which is a three step process that, uh, one can apply actually immediately to deal with any problem that's stressing them out. It's three steps. First step, observe. Mm -hmm. Second step, record facts. Mm -hmm. And the third step is just act based on what those facts tell you. So, right. So, I mean, maybe just to make it practical, we could just pick a problem. Like, for example, uh, uh, Aubrey, what's what's, uh, just any problem you'd like to share that maybe you have right now? Maybe we could demonstrate the method using such a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my rotator cuff, my shoulder, I just had surgery on, and my uh, my arm is not the way it used to be. Sure, I I have not yet had physical therapy, but um, you know, I wish I I had the strength and the muscle tone and the youth, um, in, you know, in 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 my body like I had before. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that's uh, that, that, that's a problem you're having, right? Um, mm-hmm. So the first step is would see, so what what's the impact of that, let's say, on you right now? Or is it impacting your work, your relationships, that well, sort of thing? It's, in, it's impacting uh, the, 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 the physical um, uh, active, activeness, or I guess you can say the, the, the sense of wanting to be active, wanting to exercise, mm. run, lift weights, uh, do all the things I did for uh, physical fitness that I am now limited until this thing is fully repaired. Mm, okay, okay. So it's the main problem here is that it's limiting your physical activity. So l- let's try and see. Uh, obviously, I don't know your situation well enough, but just to demonstrate the observe approach. Yes. So one of the first things we do here is, okay, you want to have physical mobility, but at the moment you're not as physically mobile as you are so first of all we just observe what's happening next step is we record the facts so the facts are going to be your inter not they're going to be the things that you not what you've read but what you've observed for yourself right it can't be what it can't be there's a difference between a fact and an interpretation so for instance in your case the fact is you had surgery on your right shoulder maybe the fact is that you're in a lot of pain Maybe you could record more things. Maybe you're in a lot of pain in the morning, but not in the evenings. Or maybe when you're feeling stressed, the pain is worse. Just record the facts, right? So something like uh, this, this shoulder will never get better. That is not a fact. That is your interpretation. Gotcha. Right? Yes. Right. Or, God damn it, what if the left one also <laughs> gets messed up? Right, that, right. That, that is not a fact. That is your interpretation. Yes. Okay, it's like, yes. Fact is, I'm not able to lift weights with the right shoulder, but maybe I can lift weights with my left shoulder. You just record as many facts as possible, and eventually you'll reach a point where you'll figure out something that you can do, a solution that you can have. Maybe you can't do all the exercise you were able to do before, but perhaps you might discover there's maybe certain types of exercises you can still do with your right hand that don't hurt your shoulder. So... But these possibilities would not be open to you if you are not willing to look at the reality of your shoulder and the pain that's, that's in it. 
or what is possible. I see. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. So this is the cornerstone of the observer approach. It's applicable for strong emotions within yourself. Mm -hmm. It's also a problem-solving method for any sort of problem. You're a leader, and your employees are, what, rebelling. They're not doing what you want them to do. Right? You observe the situation. Mm -hmm. You record the reality, the facts of it, not what you think is true, but what you actually observed. And when you record enough facts, in my experience, the right course of action also comes to you. The right course of action, the solution is a bonus. Mm. You don't have to look for the solution. Just looking at the problem and the facts of it is enough. The solution comes to you. It's kind of like you don't have to worry about how the corn plant is going to grow. Right. You just have to create the right conditions. Put it in the ground, water it, get rid of the weeds, weeds, and the corn plant grows on its own. You just set the initial conditions. I see. This is the same with any problem. You just you don't need to worry about what the solution is going to be. That's not up to you. Right. All you gotta do is create the initial conditions. Look at the problem, look at the facts of it, and the solution is just a bonus. It's kinda like just the corn plant that grows out of the ground. It's a natural process of how your mind works. When you have enough facts, it's obvious what needs to be done. And the key is trusting in the process, right? Yes, yes, the process. It's, it's how it works. I don't want you to believe me, though. Just try and see. 100%. I, I can dig that, 100%. I, I, I completely understand. Just try it and see, for sure. Uh, very, very powerful Christian. Um, I, I, I love that approach. I love the methodology. Uh, man, this is awesome. I love this conversation. Uh, I know we're connecting with listeners and I know there's things that have been said and things that will be said, uh, that will connect and resonate with them. Uh, man, uh, a huge thanks to you. A huge thanks. Uh, we're going to get to the point now where we are, um, at a segment I like to call three for the road. Uh, three for the road are three rapid fire questions that I'm going to throw your way, Christian. Um, these are uh, unexpected, um, off the cuff, yet thought provoking and impactful questions that I ask. Uh, and I try to ask the guests to um, to answer in five words or less if it. If, 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 if the passion grabs you and pulls you into a, a deeper description, feel free. Um, I just try to challenge guests with trying to give an answer in five words or less. Um, so uh, these are three rapid-fire questions. You think you're up for it? Yes, absolutely. All right. Fantastic. All right. So question one on three for the road, Christian. Here we go. Number one. What is one piece of advice that 2019 Christian would tell 2009 Christian? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, have to, I have to pause and consider that one. <laughs> the one that 2019 Christian will tell 2009 Christian. What piece of advice? That's right. Hmm. Just keep going. Just keep going. This this is this this is all. Just keep going. Gotcha. That says it. You know, a few words, but a big yeah. meaning. A big meaning. Because I think 2019 Christian, uh, if he told 2009 Christian certain things, 2009 Christian might not be where he is now. Mm. So. No alterations. Just keep going. Just keep going. I hear you loud and yeah. clear. All right. Question number two. If you could visualize stress as a tangible object, what would it look like? You know, the shape, color, size, any attributes? Stress would uh, take the form of a great teacher, 
So <laughs> a great so I'm gonna teacher. tell you what great teacher, great friend actually. Okay. Yes. It's, it's, it's the path to so much beauty. Because you can uh, learn so from it. Yes, yes, because it's uh, it's really the, the the key to your transformation. So it would take the form of uh, one of my favorite uh, professors in college. Is uh, name when I was in college. His name was uh, Francis Sue. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my best, all my best math professors. Very loving, very kind, teaching you a lot of great lessons. Very open, accepts you no matter what. So, yes, it's it's weird that way, but <laughs> but actually, like like I was mentioning before, right? For me, mm -hmm. uh, anger used to be anger used to be my one of my biggest uh, problems. It also turned out to be my greatest teacher. So really, a great friend because it got me to learn the observe approach. You know, I, I and once again, I love that because. It's it's counterintuitive, and 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 usually you know when people think of stress, it gives a negative connotation. It makes people think, oh well, I would make stress a very deep dark cloud, you know, with uh, rain and some lightning and thunder. But the approach that you use, Christian, in making it a wonderful, pleasant uh, teacher, a brilliant teacher. Uh, you know, that, that is the foundation of how you build the environment and universe around you in the mindset that you take when it comes to how you approach things like stress, things that give a common negative connotation, you embrace it. And when you embrace it, you can manage it better. So I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. No, Absolutely. All right, question number three and the final question. You ready? Yep. Fill in the blank. I am defined by my... Hmm. Yeah, that one is, that, that one is hard <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, three for the road. I, I, I always <laughs> one of the one of the lessons I learned is not to define myself at all. Mm. Okay. So yeah, because I felt that every definition limits me. That is a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. Because if you uh -huh. choose any one thing to define yourself, that can limit you, and absolutely, and, yeah. and you don't want to feel restricted. No. No, it, it actually does limit because, uh, okay, I am a strong man. Okay. Okay. In situations where weakness is called for mm -hmm. or softness is called for, now I'm in trouble. I, I, I don't want to appear weak, so I'm strong. See? Right. Strongness is a prison. Uh, you know what? I am the sort of guy that takes care of everybody. All mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a moment where you don't need to take care of someone, let them take care of, the, of themselves. I'm limited in that way. Right? So, right. this, I, I saw the, I always, I, I, I consider uh, any sort of self-definition. One is, I don't need to define myself. And second is, that's one thing I learned, is that I can function well, I can do things perfectly well, without having to define myself in any way. Right. Um, and also definition, sub-definition of any kind for me is a prison. Mm. And I want to be free. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Yep. Yep. You want to be free. Uh, you don't want to feel restricted or limited. And so I, not at all. Uh, not at all. Yeah. I completely agree. And I really appreciate that answer. I really do. All right. Well, Christian, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on this show, man. We, we really, really appreciate it. Can you share with our listeners, what are some of the resources that you can point them to for assistance and support in dealing with stress? Okay. Um, yeah, th th this has been great. So there's really depends on what kind of assistance you need. For instance, if you have a question and you'd like me to answer it for you, 
then in that case, just go to observe.host and click on uh, you. I think, Aubrey, you'll be able to add the links to these, right? That's exactly right. In the show notes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to include links to your website on the show notes, and, and our listeners will be able to access it right away. All right. So one way is, look, if you have a question and you'd like me to answer it for you, just go to observe.host, uh, click on contact, and you'll be able to reach out to me for that. Or if you just want to do like a general inquiry or recommend that I speak on a podcast, you can also do that. Uh, the second way is uh, if you like the ideas I've been sharing and you'd like to learn more about uh, the Observe approach, then just go to, uh, ob- just go to observe.host and click on the Observe approach. This will give you free and instant access to a simple but very powerful method that you can apply immediately to deal with any problem that's stressing you out. Um, And just the final thing is, look, if you're really at a low point right now, if you're feeling so extremely stressed and you feel that your life sucks, then for a limited time only, I'm offering a free My Life Sucks coaching session. <laughs> so in this, uh, and he's serious, everyone. He's serious. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. This free My Life Sucks coaching session will get a crystal clear vision of the life you want. We'll figure out precisely what is stopping you from having that great life. And you leave the session renewed, re-energized, and confident in your ability to transform your life. So to take advantage of this free coaching session, uh, also go to observe.host and click on free coaching. But again, Aubrey will be able to add the links in the show notes. That is exactly right. And in addition to the links to the resources, uh, Christian, would you be willing to share how people can connect with you on social media? I can include uh, those, uh, those handles and links as well. Mm, okay. Um, so one of one of the best ways is just to the, the method is just you go to observe.host and contact. That will send me an email directly. But if you want to connect with me on uh, social media, so I do have a YouTube channel. So if you enter my name into YouTube, uh, that will you'll be able to get access to my YouTube channel. Um, and in this YouTube ch- channel, if you write comments, I'll be able to get them. Uh, and uh, usually in this YouTube channel, what I do is I give every every day, um, okay, I've, I've actually just a new channel, but at least every week you'll receive one video which, is, which will give you a tool that you can use to deal with stress in your life whenever it arises. So that's another way to contact me. Um, yeah, but otherwise I don't use social, uh, I don't use social media as much as a way of, uh, of contact. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I can you definitely... do it the old-fashioned way. Shoot me an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's okay, man. Uh, the the email from going to observe.host, uh, that's a great way for listeners to contact you. And, uh, and observe.host, contact, and I'll get you. I'll get your message. Wonderful, wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, well, that is so great to hear. Uh, Christian, thank you once again for being on the show. It was such a pleasure having you, man. And uh, I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. I really, really appreciate all the support and love, everyone. Thanks to you. The Road to Rediscovery is a five-star podcast on Apple Podcasts. So please, please keep the shares coming. Share with your friends uh, the Road to Rediscovery. Uh, let them know any type of reflection, growth, learning that they need uh, is right around the corner by just checking out the Road to Rediscovery podcast. And also, please be sure to visit RoadToRediscovery.com. That's Road, the number two, Rediscovery.com. Um, there's all sorts of podcast episodes there. We have a featured page as well as a poll that you can take, and uh, it's all on that website. Also, like I mentioned earlier, and like Christian mentioned earlier, you can go to the roadtoRediscovery.com to receive show notes, full comprehensive show notes that contains all sorts of information 
such as links to our guests, book titles, websites, social media contact, whatever information they provide to get a contact of, uh, with them and with the resources that they have for you. You can find that all in the show notes on roadsrediscovery.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it sure has been a pleasure having you on this journey with me. Until next time, this is Aubrey Johnson. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again soon.